coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio. It's Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Rob Ganley. And we're the show where we bring you inspiring conversations with industry leaders and franchise experts. And today is no different. We have a very, very special guest. Welcome, Heather Ripley. She is the CEO of Ripley PR. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you so much. It's great to have you. So tell me a little bit about, about Ripley PR. I know you're obviously on our show today, Franchise Marketing Radio, and I know your brand. I know you work with franchises. But tell me a little bit about how this all came to be for you and, and where you see the future headed for, for Ripley PR. Yeah, thank you. So my background is heavy in the marketing area. And in 2006 and seven, I started paying attention to this large franchise brand that we had when I was living in Sarasota, Florida, called Clockwork Home Services. And it was the parent company of One Hour Heating and Air, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky. And I really wanted to work there. So I applied there in 2008 and got a job as the marketing manager and worked there for a couple of years. And many of you might know those brands. They're they're very popular brands. The CEO at the time told me that he wanted to sell the company. So I started working on a big national push for them, ended up getting them on Celebrity Apprentice. And then he was able to sell the company. And I left and went to the agency side of things. Still kind of touched some franchise brands. I and just had that entrepreneurial spirit since working at Clockwork and working with all those franchise owners. I was in love with uh, franchising and, and entrepreneurship, and I started my own business in 2013. So that's kind of how I came across or uh, came about Ripley PR. Over the years, we've we've continued to evolve the company, but we do specialize in franchise. We specialize in the skilled trades and we work with some tech companies and manufacturers as well, but love franchises, love helping. And, and my, I guess my best experience in the franchise world is on the friend dev side, love helping support French franchise development in lead generation and using PR to do so. Me too. <laughs> well, part of it, part of it too, is like when you're telling your story about how, first of all, you were attracted to franchises, which maybe when you first started, you weren't sure, quite sure what that was, like in the yeah. very, very beginning. But um, a very cool idea of franchising. That's why I do what I do. But I love the fact that you started a business, and and you know, being that entrepreneur that you are, yeah, that it's kind of fun the franchise development side of things because you care about it, right? It's like, I care about seeing people get started in business. And I also know, man, it's not all that easy to do your own thing. <laughs> it's not. So I got to no. give you some credit because you're helping people 
do their own thing, but not quite, but you did your own thing. Like, you know, there wasn't anyone there to kind of like hold your hand, but maybe you had learned a few things while you were, before you started your adventure. So hopefully that helped, right? Oh, but I did. Anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Prepared you to do your own thing. So, but so you started your own thing in 2013. So that's almost, I guess, 10 years now. Tell me a little bit about like what, which you say, what you, well, let's let's rephrase. Let's say this. What were some of the unique marketing challenges that you've kind of discovered over the last 10 years in the area of franchise development that you, you saw as a challenge and you, you, you kind of solved it? Like you said, but that, that's a gap. I'm going to go ahead and do this better for franchisors. What is that? What do you think that is? Is there something kind of special that you've discovered or a recipe that you guys have at Ripley that really helps brands? Yeah, and I think um, so. The answer is kind of twofold for for Ripley for the agency. I have really tried to build my brand just like a franchise model. So we have an opex system. We have processes in place so everybody's doing the same thing. And no matter who you get on the team, they're going to do it the same way, kind of like a McDonald's. Um, I I thought that going in that was important. I wanted to position my company as something that felt a lot bigger. And um, to be able to do that, we modeled ourselves after some of the biggest brands. Um, to, to answer your question about how we help franchisors and even franchisees, you know, you mentioned this, that the last 10 years, a lot has changed. And I think more than ever, it's really hard to stand out. There's so much clutter out there. There's, you know, with social media and just everybody being their own journalist, it really is hard to stand out as different. And when you've got a prospective franchise owner looking into several different brands, what are they seeing about your brand that makes them want to talk to you? Because we found that they're doing their research online reading about the brand, even asking other people what they think about the brand before they ever reach out to the friend of person. So if you can make good content on your LinkedIn or on your website, but also get that earned media coverage, that goes a long way in helping you sell the sell the prospect. I, I totally agree. I mean, everything is about, you know, being on screens. And when you're researching anything, and it's our natural habit when we learn about things, or learn about a new product or anything, we're going to go and spend time online and you've got to have a presence there. And it, it, it does a great job. So like the difference between paid ads and, and earned is like, you know, your people discover you naturally. Like you're not trying to market to them, right? And they know that. And so this is very profound when they find something like in the news media, something cool, a great story, but it, it has a different impact, right? Than like, like you, know, you see an ad on Google, Versus, hey, I wrote a, I read a story on this website about this brand that is usually different impact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's that's interesting. So tell me something. You know, I know with franchising, consistency throughout the network is important, right? How they do things, how they treat the customers, how they deliver. You just said it, like with your team. So <clears throat> from a brand image point of view, what do you have to think about when you're engaging with a new client or working with clients? Is there something you have to be considerate of to maintain that consistent brand image in different places throughout the country? Yeah, and I I think it depends brand by brand. Um, But when we're, you know, we kind of, we're in a good spot, I guess, where we can interview clients before they come on and make sure they're a good fit for us. 
And I'm a firm believer in systems and operations. And does the franchise have coaches, you know, so that they can work one-on-one with these franchise owners? Because the very worst thing that can happen is you have this rogue franchisee doing their own thing. And the franchisor turns a blind eye to it because they're, they're selling, you know, so we've seen that before and it makes it really hard for PR because, you know, on our side, we're getting positive press coverage for both the franchise brand nationally and the franchisees on a local level. And then you've got this one franchisee doing their own thing and telling their own story in a different way. So it it can be hard. Um, I I try to look for and interview franchisors to make sure that they have those systems in place to make sure that, you know, we're we're teaching the franchise owners how to do PR in the right way, what to wear on TV if they get an interview, how to present themselves, because it really is important and it makes that cohesive branding message like you mentioned. Interesting. Interesting. It's funny what you're saying, because in a sense, you would think, well, of course, right? Like, in other words, they... It, 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 but you you do as a PR firm have to remind them that we've got to be consistent here. So we need your participation. We need you to, to collaborate with us. We need to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. And I love to hear that from you because that says a lot about your business, right? You want to do good work. And, and I've always felt the same way too, that, you know, help me help you, right? I want to do a great job and I love what I do and I love representing brands, but, you know, help me help you. And if we don't do things the right way, well, then, you know, this could happen. And eventually not having a consistent image is a problem. And I know um, when you said rogue, that used to be a much worse problem, huh? Like when you first started, probably, because I remember with the websites, we would see crazy websites. The only thing we could recognize is the logo. <laughs> so yes. It would be just different local <laughs> websites, right, for a while where, where everybody was trying to build a local website for themselves. And, and so anyway. It's That's true. not happening so much anymore. <laughs> but uh, all right, well, cool. So tell me a little bit more. You said um, before you started Ripley PR, you, um, you you did something at your former brand. You got you got the brand a really big win with a, a reality show, right? Uh-huh. So tell me a little bit about like when you're working with a franchise brand, you know, with all this stuff. So you said a lot changed the last 10 years with all these influencers and all these folks on social media with such reach. And then you have just the regular idea of, of shows and getting promotion through other channels. How do you go about doing that? I mean, what is, is there a secret way? Is there some kind of tactics that you use or, or you're now taking into consideration that maybe you didn't used to have to do uh, because of all the digital stuff and, and social media? Yeah. And I think, I think it's asking more questions. Um, You know, over the years, we've worked with both emerging franchisors and very large franchisors with 600, 700, 800 locations. Um, And the, the end game, I think, is most important. So, you know, with Jim Abrams at Clockwork, he knew he wanted to sell the company. So the PR that we did was specifically for that purpose. It was to get us in front of buyers. Um, and one franchise brand that comes to mind is Blue Frog Plumbing and Drain. They mm-hmm. they hired us because he wanted to sell. He's like, I want six months, a year of big national coverage. Help me get acquired. And so mm-hmm. that was that was the strategy. That was the end game for him. 
we have some franchisors who um, their goal is to continue to acquire other brands. So they want to get national um, national coverage, national awards, but they also want to get the local or regional coverage for their franchisees. So those franchisees will be more likely to buy the other brands as, as they get acquired. So I really think to answer your question, it really depends on what the goals are. And we hope that the person that we're talking to, usually I like to talk to the highest up because the CEO may not share um, his future plans with the marketing director. Um, in my case at Clockwork, I was fortunate that he did, but um, sometimes that doesn't happen. And so you can be working on something that the marketing director thinks is the end game, yet the CEO has another goal in mind. So um, I, I think transparency is important. And for a PR partner to be viewed as an extension of, of your executive team is really important because if we know those secrets and those goals, we can be working on the things that need to take place to make it happen. Very, very good answer. Very strategic answer, right? <laughs> Start with the end in mind. And uh, so many people don't do that, right? Right, <laughs> like, yeah. What exactly are we doing this for again? Uh, um, and the great leaders always remind you of the end game, right? And that's what's awesome. But that's awesome that you think that way because, you know, that's why you, know, you start that way. You interview the company, get to know them. You really know you need that end game. You need to get to it. What is it? And to confirm it. But, but it makes me think, though, part of my question, because I'm not an expert in, in, in uh, public relations by any means, but it, it, if you, so you have a client and they say, you know, I'd love to be acquired. Um, this is sort of my end game. Um, is there, like from your perspective, if you've got the right budget, the right resource, is there sort of, hey, we can do amazing things if we've got the resources. It's just a question of whether it would be worth the investment to, to, to do. So in other words, if I said, I want to be on all these great shows and I want to get this exposure, is that something you can pretty much dial up if the budget's there? Or is there more to it than that? Is it is in other words, could you make it happen if someone said, "Here you go, I need to make this happen"? Is it is it more about, "Hey, are you sure you want to make it happen? Is it the right goal?" You know, because I know in paid media, yeah. kind of contextualize it. It's like you can be on the top of, of of Google all day long, but you know, do you will that budget lead to the results you want? Um, yes, yeah, so does that make sense? Like it, it, you it know, does. You just make, yeah, it does, and sometimes it's an ego thing. You know, sometimes a, a, a CEO of a franchisor will say, I want to be on national TV, make it happen. But yet they haven't done any of the things that need to take place in the meantime to make that happen. Um, just an example, proactive PR starts small, usually. Sometimes an emerging franchisor will hire us and we get them in Wall Street Journal right off the bat. That's, that's not typical. Usually we have to start small because those journalists are looking online to see who else has written about them. They don't want to be the first, you know, to write about this terrible company they didn't know was terrible. Um, so they want to see that this, this company has actually a good reputation and it builds. So if you want that big national stuff, you can get there. You can get there with a small budget. You just have to give it time. Give it, give it a reasonable amount of time to start building that momentum with coverage locally, regionally, nationally. Um, and then, you know, if you want that big TV story, you can get there. Um, now, budget is 
a matter of consideration because a lot of the shows charge. So it is, it is something that has to be considered for certain shows. Um, but I don't know if that answered your question or not, but I think oh, no, it did. It's reasonable did. about yeah, your, I, I, it's a perfect answer because now, you know, you know, it's like a lot of things, you know, you have to sort of build that momentum. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually interesting what you said about the journalists kind of, looking at things it's like we always we just said it earlier that you know people uh, franchise uh potential franchise prospects will look online and mm-hmm. you want to have a presence and, and you'll be telling stories and showing up places but so do the journalists exactly <laughs> so Same thing. they're looking at you too <laughs> so it's like i didn't think of it that way it's a really important distinction uh so it's like at the process right you, you step by step and and uh so that's very strategic it's like where do we need to focus to kind of build the momentum first and so that's that is a good that's a great answer. Very much helped. Uh, and you're right about the shows. I was wondering about that. Like I, I figured I know because being a marketer too, I I know there's a lot of pay to play situations. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering about that. And yeah, of course, right? It's like, well, yeah, sure, hundred thousand dollars. Do we have that to to do this one interview? I mean, that's that might be the case, right? To consider. Yeah. Um. So yeah, great. So tell me a little bit about the future. Um. We look at the last ten years. You know, from, from a marketing trend standpoint and a franchising standpoint, right? So thinking just in in, in the industry of franchises uh, or m- the model of franchises, um, is there something you're seeing or, or thinking we're going to be doing more of this or this kind of changes upon us? Anything like that that you're thinking? And, and how do you guys stay on top of sort of trends that you think are important? Yeah, I mean, we're we're always curious. I like to hire curious people <laughs> who want to learn and want to grow every day. We're learning something new. Um, you know, I I think that paid media has definitely changed. Obviously, earned and owned media, in my opinion, are a really good opportunity. And by owned, I mean content on your website, blogs, your social media content. Um, LinkedIn, long form content. Those are things that I feel like right now you can control as a company. Um, paid media is paid media. It's it's always evolving. Um, you can have digital ads, but people know their ads. People know that when they see an ad, they know that's what that is. Um, but content can be informative and educational and you can do it in a more subtle way um, to really sell things through. So, you know, content production is changing. As we know, AI is is kind of changing um, the future. And we're still, it's kind of the wild west. We still don't know exactly what, what that's going to look like two years from now, let alone five or 10. Um, what we're seeing right now, and, and my team is kind of playing with it to see, you know, where it can help us um, and where it can help clients because I know clients are thinking they can produce their own content through AI and they don't need a marketer. But, um, you know, just, we don't know yet. We don't know where the content is coming from. We're hearing that some of it's plagiarized because it's not creating anything new. So if that's the case, you may want to use it for first draft and then make sure you kind of go through through it, edit, and um, maybe even run it through a plagiarism checker. Because some of that content, if you just trust AI to create it, and then you put it on your website as a blog, it might hurt you more than it's helping. Because, 
Google out algorithms and everything, they'll negatively um, rank plagiarized content on your site. So you'll actually show up lower in the search. So anyway, there's there's things like that that maybe people are jumping on it a little bit too quickly and aren't researching. Um, but we are very curious. We're um, we're excited about it. Um, I think it makes the people connection and the consultation of what we do more important. Um, at least for right now, we still have to have those relationships with journalists, which is something that AI can't do for us yet. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. It's it's interesting for sure. It's very, yeah, it certainly is. We could spend another hour, maybe many hours on this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought when you said, uh, you know, you can't replace marketers or, or, or no, you said some clients think well, we can replace uh, marketers or, or some function. Yeah, I still think there is a, uh, in my experience with AI, because I am I am clicking the tires quite a bit, <laughs> as much as I can, um, but you, you still have to guide it, right? You have to be the expert. And if you're looking at the output and you're not an expert, then you don't know, is this doing justice, right? It's got to be you still. It's you representing it. And, and so if anything, I think it could give folks the opportunity to do more. And maybe the more part helps you know, do things you just didn't do before because you didn't have the bandwidth, right? Yeah. But I think it, nothing's going to change in terms of we're all still people that like stories. We want to trust others based on seeing ourselves in that story or understanding or relating to it. That's never going to change. And we got to be able to tell stories, go out there and do real things that we can tell stories about. Um, so, yeah, I, it's interesting. Maybe AI extends the velocity of things, you know, but if we're all competing, I don't know if it changes much. We just have more in, more information we don't have time for. It's kind of uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's very interesting. But I think that, that the bottom line, though, is quality will never not be important. And uh, I know Google, that's you know really all they ever wanted was quality. They just want, if they're going to share uh, information with someone who's searching, they want it to be high quality, right? So it's pretty easy. I mean, it makes sense. Why would you, you don't want to make a bad website, do you? Or or put out bad content. So if you just always focus that way, maybe AI helps you do it faster. I don't know. We're, we'll keep looking into that. So I appreciate your, your input on that. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. So, but tell me, you know, so a little bit back to what you were saying earlier, and this was just kind of stuck in my mind. You were talking about, you know, how the process of building momentum and building relationships with journalists, or at least indirectly, where they're starting to see who you are. Maybe they're on your, you're a little bit on their radar um, because you've done some smaller things. Um, tell me, though, about the reputation side. And now we're talking about the consumer reputation, things like reviews. And, and of course, we always talk about that in, in traditional digital marketing. Uh, but I'm going to guess that's also a place that journalists or any any anybody that wants to represent their own brand and put you on it, uh, they're going to look a lot at that. Like they want to know you have a good reputation, you're a good citizen in the world. So how important or how destructive could it be if you don't have a great reputation online to try yeah. to get more PR, in other words? Yeah, it is very important. But I think a lot of franchisees think that if they don't have a uh, five-star average or if they don't have all positive reviews, that that's a bad thing. A lot of times what can happen if you get a negative one is you respond to it in a great way. And that means more to future customers than a bunch of positive reviews that may seem fake. 
So um, we try to guide and give our clients best practices for responding to reviews, because I think that's a key opportunity that's missed a lot of times, um, responding to those negative ones. And we know that one to two people, two percent of people are just never going to be happy, no matter what <laughs> they exist. And they seemingly are always the ones that go online and rant about it. Um, so knowing that as a business owner, franchisee, or as a marketer, when you respond, you're responding to other people that are reading that. You may not ever be able to make that other person happy, but if you can put that cap on that you're writing to all the other readers, then um, that can often uh, get you other other positive, you know, other positive clients and then reviews. So yeah. uh, just know that they're take it offline if you can offer your phone number, offer to help that person. But when you're writing your response to know that other people are reading that. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I've always known. In fact, speaking of AI, there, I, you know, I'm a tool junkie, so I, I constantly look at what's going on. It's I, I don't know if that's a, a smart thing to do. It's like trying to open all your emails, right? Um, but but there's uh, there there is a lot of tools, right? And one recently I came across was one that would respond for you. <laughs> so so because but the point is is that you have to respond to your reviews, right? It, it's a missed opportunity not to. And really, you're right. It's it, Well, you know, certainly if you have a real low rating overall, it would be a problem. But, but I mean, being human is being human. We all know that, that, that running businesses is, is not always easy. We all have jobs. We all run businesses. So when we use other services, we, we can be patient. I think it's the way you handle those things. Mm-hmm. And the way you respond. I mean, that's all I would ever look for is just try to make it right. You know, acknowledge yeah. me <laughs> and and don't ignore what I'm saying or, or pretend like it's not a problem. But but I think that can almost do as much good, that interaction, as just pure five star. In fact, if it's pure five star, you might wonder, <laughs> like, where what's the deal? Is it, right. How can it be? Um, so anyway, so that, that was very helpful. I appreciate that. So, so as we wrap the show up, I wanted to kind of, you know, maybe put a capper on this and just kind of ask you to kind of share with the audience your, your sort of now that we've talked about a lot of things. Is there a, an overarching philosophy you have about working with franchise brands? And is there any advice you might give them, uh, any, any executives, any marketers, any CEO founders of franchise brands, especially the emerging guys? Right. Or maybe maybe all of them. I think there would be a little different, though, emerging versus maybe you could do it both ways. Emerging and then for the big guys, uh, what what would be the advice you would give? And is there an overarching sort of uh, approach you have to to working with brands? Yeah. Uh, for emerging concepts or emerging brands, I have worked with dozens of, of those over the years. And I think the biggest failure on their part is a lot of times they know the industry that they're franchising because they've built a great business and they suddenly want to franchise it. Maybe they were talked into franchising it, but if they don't partner with franchise experts, it's going to fail. And, and by that, I mean, they need to, they need to have some franchise experts on their team, not just a franchise attorney. Um, Work with franchise marketing agencies, you know, work with experts who know the franchising world and be open um, 
you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've visited a brand new franchise concept and they didn't, they were missing so many key pieces, but they were excited about launching the franchise brand. And we're only concerned about the coverage they were going to get and how many sales they were going to get. But they didn't have all the back-end support stuff that they needed. They didn't have those pieces in place. So what good is the coverage if you're not going to support your franchisees and then they're going to be gone soon when their FDD expires, you know, whatever, whenever their contract expires. So um, that's what I would say for emerging concepts is just, Talk to the franchise experts to get lots and lots of opinions on the brand, on the concept, on the operational side. Um, for for established brands, don't underestimate PR. Um, it it can help and and it complements your marketing efforts. It really does because all that coverage, all those success stories. Um, having a PR agency interview your most successful franchise owners and then sharing those stories. Um, you know, a lot of people buy into a business because it's of an exit strategy or the freedom that it's going to bring to them, um, spending more time with their kids, being able to share those lifestyle stories in the national publications is valuable and it's going to help you generate way more leads than solely focusing on advertising. So it can really complement everything. Um, talk to experts about discovery days. You know, that's one of one of my favorite things is helping to put on roadshow discovery days and take the brand to the prospects and, and really helping play that up with PR. Um, so anyway, my my overall is is um, advice would be don't underestimate PR. I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I would say as a marketer, my background, I've seen a lot of <clears throat> franchise development campaigns and or ad campaigns. Uh, and organic traffic just does great. It, mm -hmm. it always converts better. And and here's the important thing. When you look at the column that says closed sales, it's it's more organic usually. And you know, organic is that storytelling. It's it's when they discover you in an indirect way. And I can't, I agree with you. I think it's, it's more of that now. And I think that's the only way you can stand out. And if I Google someone and I, and I look at, and I see several stories about franchisees being successful, to me, that's way more impactful. You're going to assume everything else is there. You're going to assume that the numbers are there and it's a good deal and it's a good industry and they're going to hear all the right things. But the, the real authentic thing is the stories, right? Of people doing it. And I think mm -hmm. that never goes away. It doesn't matter how big your brand is because there's always, everybody's different in how they make a uh, decision. But even if they know the brand, in other words, they still want to hear stories. Uh, and then at the merging side, yeah, I totally agree with that because I think that the big thing is that yesterday I was, I was, I was on a training and uh, they were talking at one, mo at one point about uh, being a driver, being a driven type of person. And they were, it, they just said it in a way that made me realize everybody's like that. Not everybody actually wants to improve themselves all the time. Not everybody wants to learn new things all the time. Everybody's trying to build something big. And a lot of these franchisors, when they start, they're that guy. <laughs> you know, They're the guy that, that has that personality that they will just figure it out and do it as I go and, and make it happen. But you know, a lot of times franchisees aren't those types of people, right? They are on some level. Maybe they're very new to that. 
But as a franchisor, you have to now shift from being whatever it is you were to being an expert at helping others do what you did. <laughs> so right. you also have to realize that they're not like you. So they're probably going to need a little more support, handholding, a little bit clear instruction, you know. Uh, and wait, it's a proven model. It's, it's been going, I don't know, franchise, I think it's in the 70s, right? Uh, it, it works. I know a lot of other models where you can start a business somehow and it's tough, right? To see five years later, you're still in business. And so we know it works, but I think a lot of the emerging franchisors, it's like you said earlier, it's starting with the end in mind. You're, you're, you're turning your business into a franchise so you can scale it, but now you have to change who you are as a business, right? It's not just you're running a, a home services company. It's a, you're helping others get into business for themselves and do it successfully. And that's a different business altogether. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I thought that was a great. I appreciate those those answers and uh, that input. You know, you, you're uh, just based on what you're telling me. You're you're a pleasure. You really are. I know you. Oh, care. thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You care about results. You care about doing the right thing. You're just not in it for for whatever the vanity metrics might be or how much growth you might be shooting for. I could tell you, you would say no to to a, to a customer if you didn't think you could help them. Yeah, <laughs> is, I would. <laughs> that's that says a lot about a brand. So I appreciate that, and and uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Hope to have you back soon.